Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about a health topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart and exciting for me because I have one of my great friends, colleagues, and now mentor sitting here in my Seattle office. I'm back in Seattle, the dark, gloomy Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we are going to be talking about a, a health topic that to me, I really think it's the future of um, medicine in a way because it's very naturopathic. Um, we're using our own bodies to heal ourselves in so many different ways, which we'll talk about today. And so um, we're going to talk today about PRP and platelet-rich plasma and a bunch of different facets about that. And so um, who I'm talking about right now is Dr. <laughs> Summer Beatty, um, but she... Uh, her and I went to school. She graduated. What year did you graduate? 2004. Okay. So I started school. The I started the medical program in 2003. So you were out. I graduated 2007. Mm-hmm. We went to the same um, naturopathic medical college in Seattle. Yeah. And some of our year. classes were actually overlapped. We were in the same classes. Yeah. yeah. I have like total long-term memory loss when it comes to past year sometimes. Like, huh? I was. I know you from somewhere, but yeah. I, I think my most vivid memory is actually because we were in a psychology of dreams class together. Oh, oh, oh. And I painted a picture of you sitting you behind you in a class. Yes. Yeah. So for those of you out there <laughs> who don't know, I used to have one creative bone in my body before I went to medical school. And I used to like to draw and paint. And so I would get fairly bored in some of my undergrad classes. Or it was a way that I, you know, I doodled. It kept, it actually kept me, uh, it, it actually helped me learn better right. to be doodling and, and drawing. And so you were sitting. And if you, if you see Dr. Summer, I will have a picture of her on the show notes. And she is gorgeous. <laughs> and she has this like red hair that women go to their hairstylists and they're like, can you make my hair color that color? And they're like, no, only people that have that kind of red hair have it. And um, she was sitting in front of me, has long, gorgeous red hair. And I think I drew a picture of you and I turned you into a fairy or something. I don't you, know. You, were... you painted me as a pregnant fairy and I didn't even have children at the time yet. It was quite interesting. Yeah. See, yeah. again, short, long-term memory loss here. I don't remember it, yeah. but it came back to me. So yeah, so we had some classes together and recently in the last year or around that, mm-hmm. we kind of became reconnected. And that's yeah. because I found out that you were doing these PRP treatments. Yep. And I went and saw you as a patient yeah. and had a PRP facelift done. Yes. And I walked out of that facelift and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to learn this stuff. This stuff is so cool, which is kind of funny because after you have the needles done, you're a little puffy and you're, my lips yeah. looked amazing. <laughs> they didn't feel that good. I'm going to be done. I think yeah. I didn't have enough numbing stuff on my lips or something, but boy, no pain, no gain. That was awesome. My lips look amazing. You're like, yeah, they're not going to look like that forever. forever. But what happened yeah. was um, I was excited right after because I really like, and what I specialized Mm -hmm. in for years, you know, with the NCR, and I really like immediate gratification Mm -hmm. in a way where you can see results fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And when I say quickly, I'm talking from hours to maybe weeks, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas in medicine, I feel like sometimes it's like months to years Mm -hmm. before we may, may see a change in people. Right. And 
we see that patient, the chronic patient with the chronic problems that right. you feel like maybe you're just maintaining their problem. But um, I just kind of like that immediate gratification. And, and when I went on for the next month after that facelift, my skin and my lips changed the most. Right. My skin just changed dramatically. It was like every day I woke up and I'd be like, holy cow. Where did the like wrinkle go? Um, I got this line back on my lips, the vermilion line that we lose as we age. We get those little wrinkles in the lips. And um, over six weeks, I just slowly started getting that line back. And um, it was amazing. So I said, I want to learn how to do this. And I took one of your training seminars on um, aesthetics and sexual health. I did a little training in orthopedics. Yep. And... I've been using it in my practice now in Bozeman and I utilize it here. So I'm in Washington. I'm not here that much anymore, but, uh, I just love it and I love doing it. And I thought we need to have you on here because you're obviously the expert and, uh, you know how cool this stuff is. So first tell us about yourself. Yeah. So, um, I'm originally from Alaska, which is also mm. another thing that you and I have had in common in conversations right. from the time we met at Bastyr, um, because you had spent some time in Alaska as well, as did Ryan, right? So um, I think you and I, having come from similar demographic backgrounds where we work with people who are living off the land and they're hunting and they're fishing, and that's the way I grew up mm-hmm. and that's the world that you're in now. Um, it gave us some commonality and I think another reason that we really connected well, even through naturopathic school and after. So my family still lives in Southeast Alaska. Um, my husband's from Southeast Alaska. Both of us are born and grew up in a little tiny fishing village called Huna on Chichikov Island. And, um, so Alaska will always be home for us, but, um, we live here now in the Bellingham, Washington area and I work in Seattle. So, um, gosh, let's see. My, my bachelor's degree is in exercise science. Um, I really wanted to focus on preventative ways of using diet and lifestyle and movement as medicine, which is how I ended up at Bastyr. But then I think as you go through naturopathic college and you're taking all of these classes, you start to really be trained as and see yourself as a family practice doctor. Mm -hmm. And so I did do that for about eight years before we moved back to Alaska and just found that it wasn't really the best fit for me, that modality of practice. And so I spent three years working in a varicose vein surgery center um, under the mentorship of some MDs, some surgeons there. And I think that's where I really started to hone my needling skills. And so um, when we decided to move back to Washington in 2015, we were at a personal crossroads with my husband's health. He had shattered his tibial plateau in 2009, and he spent a month in Harborview, which is the trauma center here in Seattle. Mm. He has cadaver bone and screws and plates and torn meniscus that never healed, things like that. And um, seeing the orthopedic surgeons that we were, there wasn't a whole lot of solution for him other than to just go in and do some more cutting and removing of tissue and hope for the best, but not a whole lot of promise that he'd be more pain-free than he was just leaving it alone. And that was when I really started looking for uh, some regenerative therapies that might just help him be 
more functional because his knee was really a big part of why we ended up leaving Southeast Alaska again was just the change in weather with the cold temperatures um, really made it difficult for him to hunt and hike. And he didn't love it the way he used to because he was just in so much pain. <sighs> so we moved back to Bellingham and I spent a whole year traveling the country studying regenerative injection therapy with anyone who would let me follow them, um, taking classes through uh, some of the naturopathic schools and started really just doing this type of regenerative medicine with orthopedics first. Mm. And then um, I met Dr. Elizabeth Roy, who runs Studio PRP and Dr. Studio out of Boca Raton, Florida. And she trained me in the PRP aesthetics and sexual health and wellness protocols. When I was working with her, um, she said to me, why aren't you teaching this? You have such elegant needling skills and you're already so confident and competent. Like, why aren't you teaching this in your community? And I remember thinking like, well, I'm a student. I'm always like traveling around trying to learn and glean more techniques and better knowledge from different people. Like I never really saw or envisioned myself as an expert in the field or an instructor. And so she, she just said, no, you really are. Come work with me. Come work for me. And it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around that and be willing to do that. And then a couple of years ago, I, I did. I kind of took the leap and started working with Dr. Roy. And that's where I kind of have now moved my entire practice into just regenerative medicine. So I currently work for Bella Fiore Clinic in Seattle on the Queen Anne Hill. And we do a lot of the platelet-rich plasma injections there. But Dr. Christine Schaffner, who owns that clinic, is also um, a specialist in chronic disease management. So a lot of the population that we are seeing are seeking regenerative therapies because uh, dealing with these illnesses, autoimmune and chronic infections, has really taken a toll on their aesthetic appearance as well as like their sexual function. So we have to approach the way we're using PRP from a very holistic standpoint. We don't just treat everyone who walks in off the street. Um, we're looking at the whole person in their whole picture and making sure that they're in a very vital uh, state ready to receive PRP. Uh, PRP, which in case your listeners don't know, is literally platelet-rich plasma. It's your own blood drawn out, spun down to concentrate the platelets. The platelets, um, an analogy I heard from another physician that makes sense to me is if you think of the platelet as kind of like a grape. You've got this nice, juicy, sweet grape that's got this coating or skin on the outside. And on the inside of the grape is where the growth factors, the cytokines, which are cell signaling molecules, all of those are housed inside that grape. And that grape has to be burst to release those into the tissues that you inject into, right? So um, if you don't have good vital blood that you're starting with and you're spinning it down and concentrating it and you're injecting it back into a person who's not very vital, you're not only not going to get very good results, but the chances of flaring them um, because of their underlying conditions is pretty significant as well. So we still do, a, I mean, for people who think this is just a walk-in injection therapy, like one and done, that's not how we practice mm -hmm. at Bella Fiore. And we've also now taken our, um, our services over to Sophia Health Institute here in Woodenville, Washington, and I'm doing PRP for that population as well, that clinic population. And the same thing, you know, we're doing whole person, naturopathic, holistic care, and then we're layering on these platelet-rich plasma treatments. 
So again, yeah, I think that we've heard about PRP. I think kind of the layperson's heard about PRP a lot with orthopedics. And right. maybe you can just give us a little bit of rundown as where did PRP start? Where, where yeah. did, why were people starting to use PRP initially? Yeah. So initially, at least my understanding of the history of PRP, and I guess it just depends on who you get your history lesson yeah. from, right? Is that ideally, or, um, originally dentists were the ones sort of pioneering the use of platelet-rich plasma. Um, and they still do use it quite a bit. They use a different form primarily called platelet-rich fibrin. It's more of a, a gel matrix, kind of looks like a mm -hmm. slug um, that they use to pack into bone cavitations where they've removed uh, uh, teeth, right? right, to help encourage bone, gro bone growth where there's been bone loss. So really the dentist kind of started it. And then um, surgeons started using it to help um, wound healing post-surgery. And then orthopedics kind of really made it popular, I think. Most of the research, um, the bulk of the research is in orthopedics. So while there's not a whole lot of published peer-reviewed journal articles on platelet-rich plasma for aesthetics and hair restoration and sexual health and wellness, there are some. Don't get me wrong, there is some, but the bulk of the research is in orthopedics. And so then what we do is we take the science of how and why it worked in those orthopedic situations and apply that to the other the other ways that we're using it. Okay. So okay. platelet-rich plasma, it, it really works through cell signaling. It's, again, those growth factors, those cytokines, that when you inject them back into a tissue that has been injured or has broken down over time, um, it's sending a signal to the brain telling the brain basically that there has been an injury to this area where you injected it. And so that triggers the brain to recruit your body's own endogenous stem cells to that area. Um, it tells it to come lay down new capillary beds, to bring in new blood supply, to divert the nutrients that are needed for healing to the area in which you injected it. So um, people will often ask me like platelet-rich plasma versus biological allografts or autologous stem cells. And you kind of want to think of them on a continuum of intervention. And I'll often liken it to like tea, right? Like you can drink a really nice, strong herbal medicinal tea. And that's sort of like doing some of the, um, the lesser invasive treatments like neurotherapy or PIT or prolotherapy mm -hmm. like that you do as well in your practice, yeah. right? And then I think of PRP more as like your shot of espresso. And then maybe your biological allografts are adding in that shot of whiskey, right? So it's kind of like trying to identify where the patient is at and what they really need as far as force of intervention. Yeah, I think too. So kind of to bring it down a little bit yeah. from that scientific step is that a lot of people have heard of stem cells and right. they'll come in and they'll say, well, I was told I need stem cells or mm -hmm. I was thinking about getting stem cells. Why would I get PRP instead of stem cells or what is it going to do? And I say, well, obviously it's on that continuum where right. stem cells is higher force and mm -hmm. it's harder to obviously harvest stem cells as yep. well. And therefore it's very expensive and requires a very sterile procedure. Right. And for a lot of people, it's just not really necessary for the level of healing that they're hoping to attain. Right. And with what I've noticed with the PRP, I, I feel like the PRP for the cost and for what it actually takes to get the platelet, which was yeah. is a blood draw. Simple blood draw. Uh, is less invasive. And I, I feel like the research I've read, it's actually more 
efficient. It, it, there's more efficacy with PRP than there is with stem cells. In some cases, I think that can And I be think true. it depends on what yeah. kind of stem cells you're talking about, obviously, right? Right. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how they're being, you know, manufactured and harvested and re-injected and all right. of that. I mean, there's so much. Yeah. Right. Um, so if somebody, let, let's say, let's go kind of go back to that question. It's like, why would I get PRP over stem cells? Obviously, time, cost, less invasive. Um, what about, what would be somebody's hesitation um, for getting stem cells? What would be the hesitation if you were going to get stem cells instead of PRP? Right. So there's stem cells really, if you're going to call them that, should be autologous, meaning harvested from your own body, right? right? If you're getting them from somebody else's body, then there really should probably be called biological allografts, which is kind of a whole nother topic. But um, in order to get them from your own body, you need to do a fat adipose derived extraction or bone marrow. So both are fairly invasive and um, require quite a bit of processing. So the cost goes up significantly, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then again, just like with PRP, the, the impact that those stem cells could have on your ability to regenerate are, is still greatly dependent on your overall vitality and health. So stem, people like to think of stem cells as this magic bullet that will cure all, and they're really just not. It, it, they're just not there. The person still has to, you still have to address all of those other underlying factors that are um, impacting their health from diet and exercise and sleep to uh, relationships and mm -hmm. emotional stress. All of that plays huge part in how people heal. Yeah, I think that's the big piece about this too, even with the PRP is, like you said, you know, people want the magic bullet and what you realize is that, you know, you're only like, you're only as healthy as your blood is. Right. And if I'm going to take your unhealthy blood and re-inject it back into your body, like mm -hmm. what's the point, right? We right. need to get your blood healthier. So like what you talked about earlier, um, what's cool about, I feel like the PRP is that it's, it's, it's very naturopathic in, in the ways that we are actually working on those foundational things. Yes. So the foundational things are it's huge. lifestyle, diet, sleep, relationships, right. um, all the things that we talk about that, you know, we can throw drugs at you, we can mm -hmm. throw supplements at you, we can, um, yep. we we can, can inject, you. inject you, we can do <laughs> surgeries, but there's yeah. always going to be those foundational basics that you have to apply to your health in yes. order for everything else to work better. Right. And... And I think that the PRP is, is, is kind of like a signaling of that. Like how mm -hmm. healthy are you? And, um, I find it too. What's really interesting too is like, so, and you may explain this a little bit here, but you know how we actually get the platelets because right. it, we, we don't just use whole blood, no. but I notice with some patients, they have like a lot of platelets and the uh -huh. same amount of fluid and some patients don't, don't have a lot of platelets. Yeah. And I find that interesting as well. Right. So that goes to show you too how everybody's biochemistry is right. a little bit different in their blood. And this is another reason you get your year yearly CBC, which is your blood counts. It yep. looks at your platelets, make sure you have enough or you don't have too little mm -hmm. or too many or that kind of thing. But um, yeah, you're, 
you your PRP is going to be as healthy as your blood is. And so right. So speaking to that point, like you and I are both doing hair restoration treatments with right. platelet-rich plasma for patients, and one of the things that really is critical is that especially in women, that their ferritin and iron stores are sufficient or they're still not going to be able to regenerate that tissue, that their vitamin D stores are sufficient, you know. Um, So again, going back to how healthy is the overall person. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that um, if you have hypothyroidism, right, and you're, you're losing your hair because of that, that that means you're contraindicated from having this type of treatment. What it does mean is that we get you as stable as possible before injecting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that's true. I know you're going to do a podcast too with Dr. Witty, and he's going to talk more about hormones, but with the sexual health and wellness injections we're doing with platelet-rich plasma too, you can't just inject a penis or inject the clitoris and expect that to be the only thing that needs to be done when you're addressing uh, erectile dysfunction or a orgasm. Mm -hmm. Um, The hormone picture is really, really important. Uh, The hormone picture is important for orthopedic injections of PRP when you're wanting to heal orthopedic injuries, you know? Mm -hmm. So it still always is coming back to the vitality of the person and all of those naturopathic principles that we were taught in school, making sure that we're applying them appropriately to each patient that comes in. Yeah, my question is kind of in a typical orthopedic practice, or let's just say, you know, like the mentor that Mm -hmm. you learned from or the medical doctors that are using these procedures, you know, are they using those foundational basics when they do this? You know, I. It is all over the map. Right. So when it comes to platelet rich plasma, at least in my experience, it's kind of the wild, wild west. It became so popular so quickly that I think a lot of people did sort of just jump on the bandwagon and everyone was slinging needles, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, so I do think that in a way there's a bit of uh, buyer's beware with, that patients have to kind of um, navigate. And so um, one thing I can tell you is that in the published literature, the true definition of PRP is that your platelet count needs to be at 1 million times baseline. And you alluded to this in the 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 thing you were saying about the different patients having different platelet Mm -hmm. quality and count, right? Is that your platelet count baseline is going to be different from my platelet baseline count versus someone else's, right? And even the integrity and health of those platelets is going to vary. But when you're just looking at um, the standards for research, uh, you want 1 million times that baseline of that person to be considered to be PRP. So when you don't take a large enough volume of blood and then you're trying to concentrate down that platelet Mm. count, you can't get there. So one of the reasons that I use the system that I do is that you'd start with a minimum of about 50 cc's of whole blood. We do mix in a little bit of anticoagulant in with that draw. And by the time you've spun it out uh, twice and concentrated it down to where you have anywhere from 7 to 10 usable cc's and for your patient, cc's is just a measure of fluid, mm-hmm. uh, like a milliliter. A cc is the same as a milliliter that you can use to re-inject. Because um, the platelets have to be suspended in some sort of fluid to re-inject them back in easily, right? So 7 to 10 mLs, which really is not a mu- not very much. So when you're looking at, you started with this whole blood draw of almost 50 to 60 mLs, and now you've concentrated it down to seven to 10, right? Um, there's not a whole lot of 
PRP to use in any one place. So you have to know how you're injecting and where you're injecting mm-hmm. to make sure you're getting your target tissues. Yeah. You can't just be like, I'm going to spin down platelets and then I'm just going to inject it everywhere. Cause you only yeah. have like five to 10 pills. Right? right. Right. And that's why we, when we do a procedure, we're, we're doing a very specific area Yeah, typically. Um, because we only have so much. Right. Yeah. So, um, there's that. And the other thing is, is this comes back to sort of naturopathic principles as well, but the body really only has enough bandwidth to deal with rejuvenating or healing one or two, maybe three areas at a given time. Mm-hmm. So if you have a patient come in who's like, well, I want to do hair restoration. I want to do a facelift and my shoulder's been bugging me. And I think I'd like to have my knee and my ankle injected as well. And by the way, since we're doing it anyway, can we do sexual health and wellness? Like the body doesn't do well with right, that too much. much, too much. So the most I'll typically do for any one patient at a given time is three treatments. And, um, if we're doing orthopedics, I, if it's a large joint, I typically encourage them to not do like both hips at the same time. PRP can be pro-inflammatory. It's supposed to be pro-inflammatory, mm-hmm. right? We're basically creating a controlled injury. And so um, ideally, I try to stay all on one side of the body with orthopedics or um, not do two large joints um, at the same time, space them out. Um So anyway, we spin it down, we get our platelet count. The other thing is, is that based on how you spin out the blood, um, not only do you want it to rise to that 1 million platelets per milliliter, but another way to look at the math is saying like five to seven times concentration, right? And so with a lot of the kits that are on the market or the way that people are spinning it out, you may only get one and a half times to maybe three times baseline. And so what I tell my patients is, in my opinion, that's a nice growth factor treatment, but it's not PRP um, because it doesn't meet that clinical Mm. research definition, right? So Mm. it's not that it's not a value. It's just an entirely different modality on the spectrum. So that's the other thing is I'll have patients come in and they'll say, oh, well, I did a PRP treatment and it didn't do anything. A lot of times when we dig a little bit deeper, either they weren't a good candidate to begin with because none of that underlying naturopathic care was really addressed first, Mm -hmm. or they were trying to regenerate something that PRP maybe isn't a good candidate for. I mean, there certainly are some orthopedic conditions where surgery is going to be your best option. Mm -hmm. Um, Or come to find out they were using one of these other types of systems where they didn't actually get that robust platelet count that they needed to fully... um, engage that regenerative process. So I really try in my trainings to make sure that I'm, you know, training to the highest standard and then letting physicians know there are other ways to do things. You just need to be honest with your patients about where on that spectrum, um, the therapy falls, Mm -hmm. right? Where we were talking about, and I often, and I'm sure you do this too, especially with orthopedics, but even with some of my other ther- uh, PRP therapies, I'm combining all of those other modalities that we're using. Like I'm often using neurotherapy first if I'm treating scars mm-hmm. um, or I'm doing some sort of PIT with my um, my orthopedic injections. We're using a comprehensive prolotherapy technique as taught by Hemwall Hackett. When we're addressing knee joints, we're not just injecting the joint space, but we're targeting all of the ligaments and tendons that um, surround and support that joint. And then with the lift cuts, PIT stuff, we're looking at the nerves that are innervating those joints, you know? Yeah. And 
uh, what I found, and uh, I mean, I was sort of trained this way. Um, Dr. Wellwood did this with us. Is uh, PRP isn't indicated for everything. I think again, no. this is that magic bullet thing. People right. think like, oh, I came in because I think I need stem cell or I need PRP in my knee, and we assess it. And it's like you don't need PRP, which is great for you right. because it's going to be a whole lot cheaper, and uh, you know, we may not initiate as much inflammatory process, and we might be able to just maybe something with the ligaments, or we strengthen it up. Right. Maybe you have nerve innervation, like you said. So we're going to treat the nerves instead. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really comes down to assessment and, and, um, but I do think that there's obviously times the people aren't indicated for PRP and right. again, that's also being honest, you yes. know? Um, and like you said earlier, I think because this is becoming, it's really exciting stuff. It I is. mean, I got excited about it and, um, you know, just seeing the healing capacity that it has, I was like, holy cow, you know, I can use my own blood to make my skin yeah. look better or, you know, whatever. Um, but and at the same time, for some things, it's like, you know, if it's a joint, right. we need to make sure that we're assessing correctly or that we're addressing your lifestyle right. factors. And the interesting thing that I learned and, and everybody teaches it differently is that like, let's say you do end up getting PRP in your knee. Right. If you're like a triathlete or... You can't just go out the next day and start running no. your same thing. You have to stay off of that joint maybe for six to eight weeks because it's like he described it like you inject the PRP in there and they're they like little eggs. They grow into little eggs and then they need to grow into little chicks and then the little chicks need to go around and do their work. <laughs> yeah. And if you're jamming, jam, you're going to break all the eggs before they come become chicks. And then you right. basically just wasted your time and wasted yeah. your money. So that can be another hard thing when you're talking to athletes. And I know this is like a big mm -hmm. population of people that listen to us, especially yeah. in a weight-bearing joint. Right. Um, if you're going to get PRP or you're going to get some, you know, you need to take some time off of physical activity. Right. We do recommend a little bit of movement because we want to bring in blood flow and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But you can't just be going out and pounding on that again. You need to let the, the PRP do its work and let the stem cells get in there and do some work. And that can right. be very difficult for people. And they it may can. not be able to do that. Yeah. So it's like, well, come back and let's do this when you can do that. You can take six right. weeks off and not be pounding on it. And then other people train differently. They mm -hmm. say like 72 hours and you'll be fine. Yeah. So I think that even as physicians, it's like there's so yeah. many variances of this. And I think that that's why, I mean, the orthopedic stuff is cool and right. that's what it's mainly used for. I feel like lots of orthopedics. Right. Um, but that's why I love the aesthetic stuff. And we're yeah. going to talk about that now. Um, and the sexual wellness piece, which sure. is a big yeah. problem. Um, and I think part of the reason it's so exciting for people like you and me is because we're not just practitioners who are using this modality. We're actually patients right. and we're using it in our own family members and ourselves. And so when we see that sort of benefit firsthand is when it's really exciting, right? Yeah. And then you know you can share it with confidence. Right. So let's talk about some of those procedures. Okay. Um, first, let's talk about hair restoration. Sure. Because so 80% so of our listening population right now that's listening to you is likely a guy. Uh-huh. And, um, and there are women out there. Our women right. population's growing. Women do lose their hair too. Right. And it can be even more traumatic for women when they start to lose their hair for any given reason. But men lose their hair quite frequently. And mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about probably the conditions that mainly affect like guys up front. We'll talk about hair loss and then maybe we'll talk about the other stuff yeah. right after. Um, so 
Tell, tell us how this can help your hair grow. Yeah. So again, most of the studies were actually done in like alopecia, areata, clinical like hair loss. But then you take and what that is data. alopecia areata? Gotta... So it's more of like an idiot. It can be idiopathic. It means it's not related to like um, male pattern baldness. Right. It could be related to an underlying autoimmune condition or to stress or to some mm-hmm. other things where people lose like patches of their hair. Okay. So that's kind of where the studies first started. But then, of course, you extrapolate that into, well, standard good old male pattern baldness. Then how can we use it there? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Of course, like I'm going to sound like I'm beating a dead horse with this, but always going back to those naturopathic principles of identifying the underlying cause. Is it hormonal? Is it um, autoimmune? Is it um, nutrient deficiency? Is it environmental toxicities? I mean, the list just goes on and on to things that could potentially have caused hair loss, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so once you have identified cause and you're treating that as well, the way that you basically use platelet-rich plasma is that by injecting it back into the scalp, you're sending that cell signaling to reawaken those hair follicles that have gone dormant. So PRP for hair restoration is not ideal for someone who is like Mr. Clean or Daddy Warbucks shiny (laughs) head bald, right? Where those hair follicles are not just dormant, but they are dead and gone. PRP is not bringing that back. And I actually think that's one of the beauties of PRP is that when you're looking at it for aesthetic things and we hear about you know, people saying like, oh, I don't want to look overdone, right? Mm-hmm. PRP doesn't give you what you never had. It restores yourself to a more youthful appearance, right? right? So if you're a woman or a man who's always had really thin, thin hair, and that's just your genetic makeup, PRP is not going to give you this big, full head of hair, this luxurious luxurious like you know yeah uh yeah but what it can do is reawaken those follicles that you've already have that have gone dormant um so typically what we're doing with hair restoration is a series of three treatments usually um if the hair loss for like male pattern baldness if the hair loss was is in a woman and most of her underlying causative factors were probably like pregnancy uh, hormone-related pregnancy stress, or even hypothyroid that wasn't well-controlled, and now we have that under control. Women respond very well to even just one treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, but people do best typically with a series of three, and we usually space those uh, treatments about four, sometimes six weeks apart. And the reason we do that is that the body heals sort of on a bell curve. And so at the top of that bell curve is at about four weeks. So if you do the next treatment while still at the top of that bell curve, the idea is that you are able to synergistically stair-step the benefits of that cell signaling and that tissue rebuilding versus kind of going all the way back down to baseline and then starting again. Hmm. That being said, if you are a person who did respond well to even just one treatment, you might be easily able to only do one treatment a year to kind of maintain those benefits. Um, So... We also combine other modalities with our our hair program, sometimes topical uh, prescriptions even. Um, If one of the issues is needing to do some hormone blocking, we can even prescribe topical finasteride. Um, It's not our go-to for the the first treatment for everyone, but Mm -hmm. there's always these other modalities and therapies that we can layer on and use with an individualized program um, for people doing the hair restoration laser caps and now Dr. Witty and I are actually involved in a um, 
drug trial with TaylorMade Pharmacy, a compounding pharmacy, looking at the use of peptides in combination with mm. PRP for hair restoration as well. And we're both really excited about that because some of these peptides actually address some of the autoimmune inflammatory issues that are going on with that hair loss. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Need some of those things. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I inject some of the nutrients in, you yep. know, with the PRP, um, niacin. Yep. and The niacin definitely helps flush D. and bring in that blood supply. Yep. And the vitamin D is nurturing those tissues. Yeah. Yep. So um, I found good results with it. And yeah. I feel, again, it's on that bell curve. It's like you may not notice it right away, but people will come in yeah. there like, my hair feels thicker. Like it's feeling better. Like it feels, it you know, I'm changes feeling it. the quality of the hair that you are growing yes. as well. And I think to kind of circle back to what you were talking about wanting, you know, immediate gratification, PRP really isn't quite immediate gratification. It takes on an average somewhere around three months to see the maximum mm -hmm. benefits of the treatment that you've done. And sometimes the benefits continue on for even six months. Some people report longer. Um, some of the changes are more immediate, like what you were saying with the increased blood flow to the area does a lot mm -hmm. to begin with. And we know that skin turns over on an average of about every four weeks. That gets longer um, as we age. So that's why that that's window of opportunity to retreat is somewhere in the four to six week span. Um, the older we get, the more likely we are to need to do more treatments. Um, because remember I said PRP signals your own endogenous stem cells, but as we age, our stem cell count drops off significantly. And so someone who's using PRP to repair a torn meniscus in their early 20s is most likely going to have a much more robust healing response than somebody who's 65 mm -hmm. and trying to use the PRP for the same thing. So it really is like looking at the person as an individual to decide how many treatments, how long they're going to um, expect to see the benefits and um, when they're going to have to repeat them. Okay. So let's talk about another male condition. Sure. Erectile dysfunction. Oh, yes. And I do a lot of these yeah. shots and I love it because I just feel like it gives men some hope and some just erectile dysfunction is a very big problem. Yeah. Like I, I had no idea um, how right. big it was until I got into medicine and started working in clinic and, and I, I don't know. And even now I'm, I'm working with couples on fertility and stuff and looking at sperm counts and then reading the research from, you know, what sperm counts mm -hmm. were in the 1940s. And we talked about this on a podcast with Dr. Jacqueline Chassie. Um, I don't know what number it is now. I'll put it in the show notes. And in there, she talks about testosterone levels like a hundred years ago versus now. Right. And you can see a direct correlation to the sperm count mm -hmm. and, you know, in the 1940s, the average sperm count of a man was 120 million. Mm -hmm. Today, when I get a lab back, the lab tells me they're at an adequate sperm count if they have 30 million or more. Right. Okay. That's like a huge difference. Huge. And they're saying that's now normal. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a ton about this on our podcast about toxins and estrogens. And I'll talk more with Dr. Witty about this right. stuff. But um, and then the stress yeah. that, that men deal with in, in their life and their average life and their diets aren't great. And so many different kinds of injuries men can. Right. I had a patient, I think we had a mutual yeah. patient mm -hmm. who had a BMX injury when he was right. 14. 
and he just scarring scarring and he thought that was like a normal thing because he was like 14 right and guys live like you know decades like this so let's talk a little bit about that and how it can just prp on um right uh, on the structural level help erectile dysfunction yeah, so we're actually taking the platelet-rich plasma and injecting it into the shaft of the penis as well as the, the glands of the penis, right? And so basically what the PRP is doing is it's increasing blood flow to the penis. So a lot of erectile dysfunction um, is simply mechanical, that the blood flow that's necessary to get to the penis isn't available. So platelet-rich plasma definitely helps with that. It also helps with just rejuvenating the um, spongy tissues of the penis as well, and that's why we often are combining it with a vacuum erection device um, and uh, sending patients home with that to really stress and um you know, where we talk about you stress, kind of like weightlifting, where it's it's good for the body to have some stress, right? Mm-hmm. So it helps those tissues heal better. Um, and then injecting it into the glands helps with sensitivity. So not to get into a big debate over whether or not circumcision is an appropriate thing for men or not, but definitely in the American culture, it's something that has traditionally been pretty common. And we know that that actually decreases sensitivity of the glands penis as well. So um, especially if the circumcision resulted in any kind of scarring that potentially damaged um, that area. And so PRP can be great to help just with nerve regeneration as well. Um, and again, depending on if you're addressing all of those other underlying issues, such as hormones and, uh, environmental toxins and things like that, the stresses that play into erectile dysfunction as well, then using the PRP simply to restore physical function, um, can be really profound for some men. Yeah. So what about like, there's, there's a bunch of different erectile dysfunction treatments like Gaines wave. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the beauty of being a naturopathic physician is that we're always open to the idea of layering these treatments to build synergy, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, shockwave therapy basically works in a similar fashion to the PRP in that you're creating a controlled injury to the area, telling the body to come in and basically rebuild it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you wanted to layer shockwave therapy with the PRP, I think for a lot of men, you do get better results. Um, of course it's another expense, right? Mm -hmm. I think for men who are looking at treating Peyronie's disease, which is scarring and placking of the the penis, combining the shockwave therapy with the PRP is almost necessary, um, Mm -hmm. unless you're going to do a lot of injections. And um, we've talked about this with some of our other trainings that we've done where you could use potentially injections of ozone to help break up Mm -hmm. the scar tissue and PRP. So I am very strongly of the opinion that there's not always just one way to treat a problem. Um, So a lot of people won't have access to a shockwave therapy, right? But they will have access potentially to an ozone injection or they will have access to the PRP. And so you start with what you have access to and what you're willing to invest and move from there. Um, So I think probably when um, you said that you put injections in the penis, there's probably a lot of guys that just went, Uh, yes. What? You're yes. doing what? So and, but, just to assure just, them, it's yes. nearly, <laughs> nearly painless. We yes. do use a topical numbing cream and I particularly use a pretty strong uh, solution that we get from a compounding pharmacy. Um, 
And in the past, I used to do nerve blocks, but really I'm finding that with the topical numbing cream that we're using, it's just really not even necessary at all. And most of my male patients, they have all this anxiety around the injections and then we're done and they're like, is that it? Yeah. You're all done. And they have worked it up and worked it up and worked it up in their minds where they thought it was going to be really traumatic. And then you're done before they even realize Mm -hmm. you started really. Um, and, uh, The benefit, I think, the hope for the benefit can really outweigh some of the fear for coming in for that that first treatment. And then I think, too, the more of our patients who are doing this and willing to talk and share their experiences, it makes it easier for the next man to have that conversation and to come in and seek treatment as well. I think for a long time, it's been sort of taboo in our communities to talk about sexual dysfunction. Um, We associate a lot of shame with it, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And so my hope is that as I'm teaching these classes and talking more and more about it, and as like people like you and I are going on podcasts and talking about it, that men will realize that they're not alone in this sort of, um, this sort of health condition and that it's completely appropriate to be asking Um, I'll talk to men who have never mentioned to their primary care doctor that they were having issues at all. Mm -hmm. Never. Um, And I just think opening, opening that door to the conversation is a great place to start, regardless of whether or not you pursue platelet-rich plasma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've just, um, I've enjoyed working with guys and helping them on a lot of different Mm -hmm. levels with this. So it's, been really rewarding there yeah um and it is one of the easier procedures that we do so it's it's definitely worth it I think oh yeah Uh, and then so what would be some of the benefits what yeah what uh, what are guys gonna see oh yeah well so basically when you um restore the function of um the ability to both obtain and maintain an erection more easily um and the ability to some of these men that I see have been using ED drugs like Cialis or yeah. Viagra or something like that. And what they find is that over time, they kind of quit working for them, right? So for that population, sometimes even just one treatment allows them to go back on their ED drugs and be able to have that that more spon- I want to say spontaneous, even though you're using you're using a um, medication to kind of help, but the ability to just be intimate more spontaneously than they have in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it creates a lot of stress in relationships. I'm hearing from patients when there has to be a whole lot of planning around Mm -hmm. being intimate. And um, so definitely the ability to obtain and maintain an erection creates a lot of stress for men when they're worried about whether or not they're going to be able to maintain an erection throughout the the, um, course. Um, so that, and then, um, again, with injecting the glands, penis, just the ability to have more sensation in that area. So achieving orgasm more easily as well. I think that that's something probably for both men and women that I think naturally decreases with age too, is sensory. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so, I mean, I know your population is predominantly men and we want to talk a lot about the penile injections, but you know. Women and treating their uh, vaginal area and the clitoris too is just such an exciting procedure for me, partly because I have been a patient for that procedure myself. Um, A lot of our patients are women who went through pretty traumatic deliveries with their their pregnancies, and it can create a lot of um, 
trauma to the vaginal area, stretch out the urethral meatus and the tissue supporting it, leading to urinary stress incontinence, um, scarring from tearing of the vaginal area, um, laxity. So one of the things we don't talk about a lot is that as men and women age, the, the um, penis actually sh shrinks in size as well as women becoming more lax, right? And so one of the things that actually creates a, a good, healthy orgasm is the friction of the penis inside the vaginal canal. So when you're combining an and PRP injection for the male partner with the vaginal injections for the female partner, you get more of a sexual match um, of just basic anatomy um, that I think for that aging population can really help enhance their sexual experience. <laughs> right? uh, people are sitting there like, what are what? we listening to? Yeah. You know, these are, these are real life topics that people deal with right. and they're important topics and we're just living longer. People want to have longer, more mm -hmm. active sex lives. Right. And, you know, I feel like, I don't know, maybe 50 years ago, people just stopped having sex at like 40 or something and just went on with it. And now it's like, you know, people want to feel younger. They want to be more active. They want to be more emotionally there. And that yeah. big part of that and is sex. And there's no reason that they can't be when they right. have the right tools to bring all of that back. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So we do do the female um, yep. injections as well. And we won't get into this a ton, but the mm -hmm. facelift, the facial, we can regenerate collagen in the yep. face. That's what I experienced yeah. when I had my facelift done. Uh -huh. We can increase the fat, improve fat pads in the face, yep. lift the eyebrow, um, yeah. those wrinkles around the mouth and the, the, the smile lines and, and yeah. all these. So it, those are like really exciting to see for people as well. And they do take time. Again, yep. there's that curve and four to six weeks, you may not see it right away, but it does yep. happen. Like you will see yeah. it as it, as it works on that right. inflammatory cascade and rebuilding and yep. remodeling. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And on that oh. topic too, like, you know, even though our clinical practices are very much medically oriented and yeah. we're, we are treating a lot of underlying health conditions, I always tell women too, like, you don't have to feel guilty or bad about wanting to look better. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I have a lot of my chronic disease patients who they just feel like they look so tired, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we're just restoring a little bit of vitality to the way they look, they look more rested. And a lot of times, at least with the women that I'm dealing with, and for me personally, when I feel good about the way I look, I'm also much more likely to be invested in taking better care of my overall health. You know, like yeah. I know from, um, you know, having done my own PRP treatments that when I wasn't getting all of the results I wanted, I went back and I rechecked my iron and ferritin. I went back and I rechecked my vitamin D. I decided to optimize my sleep better because these are all the things that I'm always telling patients to do, mm -hmm. but I'm not always very good about doing them myself. And then I finally hit the place where I was like, my hormones need some TLC too. And I can't be trusted to take very good care of myself because I'm so busy taking care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. So now I see Dr. Whitney for my hormone care, you know? Yeah. And so I think like there's nothing wrong with wanting to look well and look vital and look, look good too. Yeah. And it's the same thing for guys. Right. I notice guys are aging and like you said, chronic disease. I and mean, we've talked about Lyme disease on this podcast yeah. and we've talked about some chronic disease and it does wear you down and it ages people. And the PRP, notice with that population too, they just... Mm -hmm. 
when you when you feel like you look in the mirror and you just don't look so exhausted and um, it, it helps. It does yeah. really help. Or if you're on the tail end of your treatments, you're better. You're you're doing mm-hmm. way better. You're healing and yep. you're just like you need that support because usually a lot of the treatments too, as well as the you know the disorders right. themselves, can take a toll on people. And the thing is too is that patient population because I see a lot of them, they can't do some of the more standard aesthetic procedures like Botox and fillers and things like right. that. They literally just, their bodies cannot tolerate them. It flares them. It makes them very ill. And the platelet-rich plasma, when applied at the right time, um, is definitely something that gives them fantastic results without causing all of that that flaring. Yeah. It's cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell... Tell our people here where they can get in touch with you or, you, you know, you're teaching now, so you're yep. instructing um, doctors in this and um, maybe how people can get a reference of people that you've taught or, you right. know, because there's folks from all over the world listening to this. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, I am the medical director for the regenerative medicine department at Sophia Health Institute here in Woodenville, Washington, uh, working with Dr. Klinghart and Dr. Christine Schaffner. So all of my physician trainings are now being hosted at Sophia Health Institute. Cool. Um, and they're, they're done under my brand name of One Living. And so uh, we are still in process of getting our website up and running, but right now we do have our social media sites up. So both Dr. Summer Beatty and One Living on uh, Facebook and Instagram, you can follow us there. I have a medical director who manages all the trainings for me, Dr. Sue Hirsch. She's a colleague of ours from um, Bastier. And uh, anyone can get in touch with her by emailing connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, at oneliving.center. And um, then, yeah, eventually we're going to have the website up. And once we do, we will have a resource there for find a provider. And that will list the providers that have trained with us or that um, we have relationships with for referring out. I I honestly do find myself referring out quite a bit. Um, Dr. Klinghart just asked me for a referral for a PRP specialist in Portland um, yesterday, and I sent him two different names. So one of, you know, I feel like one of my strongest um, virtues, I guess, is that of a connector. I connect really well with people. And mm-hmm. so I may not always have all the answers, but I typically know someone who does and can send people to them. Um, I don't necessarily have a, a connection in every town and every state, every right? Town. <laughs> I do get that sometimes, no. but, um, you know, like I, I do definitely have a network of providers that I refer to, um, like Dr. Witty for hormones and, um, yourself for NCR yeah. and, um, the different, um, physicians that I've trained that are using or, uh, injections. Cool. Therapies. And I just did a series of videos for the clinic in Montana. Yeah. Um, a video on each modality that right. we do. So I'll attach them to the show notes here. And nice. They're kind of funny, yeah. but I kind of like humor and it makes it lighter and easier yeah. for people. But they're just little short explanations of each procedure, a few more than right. we talked about today, but also what yeah. we talked about. Um, so folks can reference that. And I just want to thank you for meeting me here and talking about this. Yeah. And I hope that everybody out there realizes that, you know, there are so many amazing things out there that can help you and rejuvenate you and make you feel younger and improve your quality of life. And I really feel like PRP is one of those. 
Thank you for having me on, Hillary. You're welcome. It was fun. You'll have to come back on. I know we got a million other things we could talk about. Well, but. yeah, and since I do also do private trainings for physicians, I go into their offices. Um, I have been up in Bozeman to yeah. do a training in the past, and I am overdue to come back to Montana for sure. Well, come back. We have a spread now. You've got some place to stay. <laughs> Good. I'll bring, bring the your kids girls. and dogs and husband. Oh, and gosh. Yeah. We have three dogs now, right? We kept yeah. a puppy. Yeah, yeah. Three dogs, two girls. Kind of nice. like you. You have two girls too. Two girls. I know. And I was actually just showing Jay a picture of um, – uh, Paley the yeah. other day because she turned 10 and Jay is about to turn oh, 10. Man. Yeah. The tween. I know. Speaking of hormones. Right. Oh my gosh. It's well, starting to that, happen. We should probably turn this topic over <laughs> to know. Dr. Witty. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Summer. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh-huh, bye. Bye.